Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Need More Info, a podcast exploring the worlds of movies, video games, TV shows. And last week we delved into that anime. That was a that was a very interesting week, to say the least. But no, it's another week, people, in the UK today on this lovely Tuesday. The UK has officially melted. We are. It's got over forty degrees in this country now, which is about. 170 degrees, 107 degrees Fahrenheit in America, just for you uh, Yanks over there, uh, you uh, you Americans. Uh, just to give you a comparison though, we're not used to this heat. Oh no, <laughs> we are we are sweltering over here, people sweltering. It's it's so much right now. But luckily, the cl- the heavens have opened, the thunder's arriving. Thor is looking down on us and praising us with the rain, and I will be sure shanking outside later. Screaming to the heavens, give me more rain later on. But again, people, it's lovely to have you back here today. And I'd like to welcome back Chaz and James. How you guys been since we last spoke? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, managed to escape from worse of the heat, thankfully. But um, and now it's starting to rain. So I uh, hope you're going to cool down a bit. But yeah, I've been keeping all right. What are you doing, Chaz? I'm all right. I have just about not melted. I actually went to the office today, which was nice and cool, so I'm pretty proud of that decision. I also um, made benefit of um, hiding away in an office which had a good aircon. It's a good tactic. Yeah, otherwise I've been kind of hiding in my flat like some kind of gremlin with all the windows open and the blinds shut, just hiding away from the sun, you know. That's just the way to be, hiding away from the sun going, eee. Reminds me of my uni days, to be honest. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I had some interesting uni days to say these. But no, it's good to have you guys here again. Obviously, Chaz was away last week uh, for the interesting topic that to- that Fergus took over, which was, um, we had some interesting hits on that, I'd say that for sure. VTubing is a interesting subject. Just after we announced the VTubing, Apex Legends came out with some VTubing of themselves, some actual models you can use. And I was like, you're kidding me. Two days after we do the VTubing episode, they bring out these uh, they bring out these models. It was insane. We're ahead of the curve, man. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, man. That was uh, that was an interesting thing to me. It was actually quite hilarious to have that. And uh, also, uh, just to make you aware, people, that uh, myself and Chaz now are actually caught up with the boys now. And we're also caught up with Obi-Wan. So actually look out for maybe a little extra episode later on maybe early next week for a spoiler filled a review and then a spoiler filled discussion for the boys and Obi-Wan. We'll probably do a nice condensed episode. And then later on, when a few more people have watched it, we would be discussing Stranger Things season four and where the final season could go, because I don't know what the fuck they're going to do after that and the movies that they're going to do. But yes, people, obviously we had VTubing last week. This week, we're doing something a little bit different. We're going back into the games field. And I'm actually going to be not pulling back into the hosting seat uh, for the second part again. I'm actually looking forward to just kicking back, cracking a nice can of Pepsi Max. And Chaz is going to be taking over the hosting responsibilities this week. And he's actually going to be giving us the lovely, lovely world in gaming. And uh, what's the topic going to be today, Chaz? So uh, I'm quite into, like, um, interesting, like, indie games and, uh, you know, games that do something a bit different. So we're going to be talking about some games that we feel um, are unique in some way, either in their mechanics or in their themes or, you know, just games that tried something a little bit different than what you'd normally see in, uh, you know, mainstream gaming. Yes, and it's going to be very, very interesting to say the least. And I know we're definitely going to have some diverse areas because obviously myself, as we all know, I'm more into the uh, the more AAA game side 
side. Chaz loves his indie games, so we'll probably see a lot there. James will be the uh, dark horses. I'm, I'm expecting maybe some Skyrim in there, possibly at some I don't point. Know what to expect from James? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's see what happens. Why you too mainstream for to be a unique, considered a unique game? Hey, I disagree with that. Mainstream games could can do something unique. This is uh, yeah. you know not well, a point uh, to be obscure. Well, I mean, Skyrim is part of a series of games. I mean, Oblivion is very similar to it. Morrowind is very similar to it. It's a it's a fifth in a, in a series of similar games. It's that's true. Yeah. Um, to be fair, the, the word unique is kind of open to interpretation, but that's sort of deliberate. I just want to see, you know, what we feel is a unique aspect of the games we've picked. Really, I mean, well, the game is Dover Keen. Well, in all fairness, you'll, you'll soon find out. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty happy with everything I've come up with for my list. Uh, I think you've got a whole, there's, there's a list of some really super games you'll find really interesting. Awesome. Excellent. Well, people, so that's what we're going to be doing in the main topic section. If you actually looking our in looking our uh, descriptions now, when we actually release the episodes, we're actually doing time code stamps now. So if you if you're if you're up to date on the news, because obviously we're going to be getting to the news section in a moment, uh, we will. Uh, you can just skip along to the main topic section and enjoy the lovely conversation there. Obviously, I hope you enjoyed the VTubing episode last week. We're actually thinking about doing some more anime in the future, maybe like. Fergus is actually thinking about suggesting some intro anime episodes. So watching the first episodes of anime for maybe like 10 shows and then rating them to see if maybe something we'd actually watch more of. I think that's a interesting concept to us from the very mainstream anime to the what the fuck am I watching? Never again do my eyes, my eyes. Uh, but yes, people. So obviously we know our main topic. I think it's time for the news. James, should we do some news, man? Let's do it. Right, let's do it. Right, people. So, have you guys seen the uh, recent Halloween movies? Nope. I'll say oh, I have. No. It's, not, it's, it's not a franchise I'm really interested in. It's not my kind of area. Actually, I saw the first Halloween uh, for the first time last year. <laughs> oh, I think I know it, and I think I know exactly the time when it was. Was it, was it on Halloween by any chance? It may have been on Halloween. Because I was probably with you at that point. You may have been there, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, fun little fact about the first Halloween movie. There is a scene in the movie where Michael Myers smashes a window and a car on top of a car and uses his hand to do so. And I found out this in a How the, How the Movies That Made Us, the Halloween special, which I highly recommend Netflix people. To do that scene, he actually had a uh, spanner in his wrist to crack the glass. And if you pause the scene in the film, you can actually see the spanner on screen. That's a little fun fact I have for that film. And also, obviously, everyone knows the mask is William Shatner from Star Trek. So uh, that's, another, that's another little fun fact as well. But yes, yeah, so as soon as we're getting the Halloween Ends trailer tomorrow. So obviously us here, we haven't really seen the new films. This is actually a continuation from the original, the original Halloween movie. It doesn't ignore all the sequels. This is from John and Peele and Danny McBride. So they actually came up with a trilogy of films with Jamie Lee Curtis coming back. It's more of a generational thing. It's set like 30, 35 years after dealing with the PTSD of Laurie, Laurie Strode, I uh, believe her name is. And I've heard the first one is brilliant, like in regards to like the PTSD she actually suffered and everything. But then Halloween Kills uh, was not as good, I've heard. It was more It was more just about the attack. It was more about the attacks and everything and the whole city coming against Michael, which is an interesting concept, but seems a bit far-fetched. I know they've had this narrative planned from the beginning, so like three films, and this is literally Halloween Ends. So we know where the narrative is going. I'm probably going to wait till this film is out, I believe, in October. And I'm just going to watch all three films, I think. I think sometimes 
you need to get to a third film to understand the full context of the narrative. And I think it'll be really good to see. But that's just a quick uh, that's just a quick uh, news topic I thought I'd bring up. Uh, maybe we'll mention that in the Halloween specials that we're going to be doing later in the year. So definitely got some interesting topics there. Keeping in the Halloween vein, though, I've just sent along the trailer to the guys here. But we're going to be talking about Rob Zombie's The Monsters. Not The Monsters, The Monsters. Obviously, this is a remake of the 1960s, I believe, 1950s, 1960s TV show. Uh, that came out then, and i got to say, people, when I first, they released a teaser trailer for this, which is sort of mimicking the original opening to the TV show. Uh, it's actually in the, in the new teaser trailer where they're coming through the door. That actually looked pretty interesting. It was nice and comedic. Black and white looked interesting. But then they released the full trailer, and it's in colour, and it looks bad. It doesn't look good, in my opinion. Like... Like, uh, Chaz is like, okay. I, I, from the trailer, I kind of assumed that it deliberately looked a little bit low budget to go along with, <clears> I assume, what the practical effects looked like in the time. Um, and yeah, it felt kind of deliberate. Yeah, the, the audio is the issue I had with it. Like, a lot of people criticised the audio, how um, basically the it, so, it sounds like the AD hasn't been finished yet because it sounds like the microphone is really far away from the characters and it's like it's like really close and then really far and like you know you can't hear the characters correctly uh, someone actually recreated the trailer in black and white and it looks better in black and white than color and i think they should have just done that from the beginning you know stick to the original format black and white sometimes you know films look good that way i know Mad Max Fury Road had the black and white edition and a lot of people praised that edition as well. And maybe that film would have worked. But going on from this, though, from the trailer, originally this film was going to go to theatres, then it was going to go to Peacock, and now it's going to Netflix. So it seems that... Right, this is coming from DreadCenter.com. Uh, here's what the Monsters director had to say. This fall, we are going to spook out like it's 1964. Yep, the Monsters and the Adams Family are returning to the boob, the boob tube at the same time, courtesy of Netflix, it's been 58 years since this Clash of the Titans first happened. Perfect entertainment for your pumpkin carving party. Check out this wicked full preview issued of TV Guide for the... Yeah, so it's basically the American TV. Obviously, we're getting the Wednesday Adams Netflix show, uh, which, I, which actually does look like an interesting concept. Uh, J- uh, I believe Jenny Ortega is uh, playing uh, Wednesday Adams in that, so really interested to see what they do there. I believe uh, Tim Burton's actually involved in the... Uh, yeah, so... The new live-action Wednesday series is actually directed by Tim Burton as well, so very interested in seeing that. With The Monsters, though, when I first saw this, it looked interesting because it's actually a prequel to the original show. It's about them falling in love. But yeah, I, I just don't know, to be honest. I don't know. We can't really say much until we see it. It could be really good. It could actually be really good. Some people could change this into completely black and white, and it could be really good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've just heard of this, and I just watched a trailer, like I said. And to me, it felt like it was deliberately low-budget. Um, and I don't know. It the tone seemed kind of like funny, I guess, like light-hearted. So I kind of got a good impression from it. But maybe because I didn't see the previous teaser, um, perhaps that's why I'm looking at it a bit more favorably. But we'll see when it comes out. It certainly felt like a very dated uh, comedy. But then again, that might be what they are trying to uh, mimic. Yeah, definitely. Right, people, hopping over to our next news item. Right, we did a topic a while ago now called Could Streaming Replace Cinema? We actually did an entire topic in this episode. Go back and check that episode out. It was a very nice discussion. 
But it seems the Russo brothers, obviously famous for the Avengers films, Winter Soldier, and the upcoming The Grey Man movie, coming into Netflix, Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, have come out and said that this is coming from uprocks.com. The Russo brothers are cool with people streaming their films, claiming that movie theaters are elitist and expensive. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, the Russo's discuss how, the in- how they think the industry should move away from, as Anthony put it, the old models that reach audiences that haven't been engaged before. They even think studios should embrace streaming even more than they do and treat the movie ongoing experiences more as more of a luxury. A thing to remember is it's an elitist notion to be able to go to a theatre. It's very fucking expensive, said Joe. So this idea that was created that we hang on to that the theatre is a sacred space is bullshit as it rejects the idea of allowing everyone in, in, in under the tent, where digital distribution is valuable, other than what I said earlier about how it, how it pushed diversity, is that people could share accounts that can get 40 stories for the cost of one story. Now, I totally agree with this. I think also, that as we discussed, I think go back to our streaming episodes, we, we covered this a lot more in this regard, but I love the fact that the Russo brothers are coming out and doing this because they do have a lot of clout in these, you know, as direct, big directors now. Uh, even even Scorsese did him uh, uh, a Netflix movie with the with the um, uh, what was the Irishman, you know. So these the, and these directors are coming out doing that, and a lot of Apple TV stuffs coming out now. We won't go into this topic as much because obviously we did a big discussion, but I do love the fact that they came out and said this. One thing I will say is obviously you know I'm still gonna go to the cinema for the big movies, like you know the big Marvel, Star Wars, you know DC movies, you know. But like sometimes. Pick like the recent Pixar movies such as Turning Red, which went to Disney Plus, and um The Sea Beast, which is on Netflix, which I've heard is amazing. Um so some people said that should have gone to cinema, but they were released on streaming because they've done really well. So I'm really interested. Maybe maybe we'll come back to this topic in the future when like more big mainstream movies are going to streaming and we can actually see where we go with this. I think that having both is actually preferable for me because as you said there are some uh movies that i would deliberately go to see in a cinema because i want it to be kind of like an experience and a day out and there's some that i'll just kind of fit in as and when i have time um so even like releasing simultaneously maybe um i don't know maybe that would affect sales in in the theater probably would but for me like to have the choice i think that would be that would be the best approach for for myself at least so I mean, I wouldn't want theatres to die, and I like theatre experience. I would, I would hate to lose that. So the way I, the way I see it, I, I kind of, kind of like how we've gone to in, in the recent model with a lot of films. It's a lot better than it used to be, which is you release a film in the cinema, and I think it's about forty-five days for a lot of films these days. Then it comes onto the streaming service. I think that's a good lag. In the past, it was like, what, six months, a year or so before you could get the DVD? That was way too long. So I think if we keep the current model, you give a period of time where you can watch it in the cinema, you get that cinema experience. But if you can't afford it, you don't have to wait too long before it comes onto streaming service. I think the, the length of time has reduced quite a bit now between cinema releases and streaming services, right? Yeah, so basically um, now... Uh, Disney Plus movies after it's been in the cinema 45 days later as the average time because um, it said that Lightyear which has only been in cinemas recently is coming to Disney Plus on August 6th so uh, and obviously uh, Spider-Man No Way Home uh, as well was in more recently Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness 
was in um, a bit earlier in the year that came out uh, recently as well. And another good thing is like a lot of people during COVID, because actually this is, uh, we spoke about the topic before, how when like uh, Warner Brothers were actually releasing their films day one on streaming, such as Dune, uh, Godzilla, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Um, Interesting. You know, and but they released them at the cinema as well. And Dune like, still did super well, right? Well, Dune actually, this is we we're not going to cover this topic as much because it's not really big news out But they've actually gone into production and started shooting now. So Dune two is starting to shoot now, and I actually missed Dune in the cinema, which I really regret. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the second one in the cinema. I said the big theater experiences such as that really do require going to the cinema still, and I think also. I actually like the same day approach sometimes because going to see a film in the cinema can be expensive, especially if you're taking your family, getting all the popcorn and the food and everything. But maybe, but maybe you you couldn't focus on the film as much because you had to do other things in the cinema. When you get home, you have the option to rewatch the film again because you could be a film student possibly and you want to study the film for something. You have the opportunity right there and then to purchase the film and rewatch it at home in your own comfort. So I definitely think taking James's comment of like forty five days later is a really good approach. I actually don't mind the day one purchase as long as it's not thirty pounds, you know, for the purchase, which was a lot of the films were charging in some places. So yeah, I think excessive. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think it's okay if a lot a group of people get together and buy because it's maybe four or five pounds a person. If you've got a really great film set, like, you know, 80-inch TV screen, good home cinema, because if I had that, I'd actually do that myself. I think that'd be a great approach. But again, people, go back and check out our discussion on could streaming replace cinema? Because I think we do get we do delve into this topic a bit more. And it's really nice to actually the Russo brothers go into that. Right, people. Moving on to our next news item. Oh, family. Flamelmans nobody got left behind or forgotten. That was my terrible Stitch impression, people, because Lilo and Stitch, the live action movie, is actually coming, is actually going into the works. I don't know how this is going to play out. Uh, so, this is coming from Deadline. From the critical success of Marcel with Shells with Shoes on, uh, Dean Fleischerkamp has found his next project has been ta- as he has been tapped to direct the live-action adaptation of the classic animated... Oh, God, saying classic now, the film makes me feel old. I honestly thought it was a good impression. Hey, they have a similar voice, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, so for, for the classic animated picture, Lilo and Stitch for Disney, Dan Lynn and Jonathan Eyrick of Rideback are producing. Rideback's Ryan Hartprin is ex- executive producing. I know at this time whether the film will be theatrical or Disney Plus. I think this will be this this will be theatrical. I I honestly think like if you put in the Lion King in cinemas and stuff like that, like Lilo and Stitch will be a big cinema film. Like it it'll, it'll draw because it that film's quite it, like we were young when that film came out as well, like youngish. And I think it's gonna and you know people our age have kids now. It's gonna have this the nostalgia factor there. And I'm really looking forward to see what they do, especially you know an alien. <laughs> In the movie, which we haven't actually had yet with uh, Disney, much for this sort of thing. Yeah, I just looked at when it came out. I definitely wasn't young. Yeah, this was a bit. Yeah, it came out was a little bit older than some of the other classic Disney movies. You said, um, I don't know. I'm kind of done with live action Disney movies for a little while. Uh, I liked Lion King at the time, but looking back, I'm just like, uh, the original's still great. I don't really need a remake. Um, but that's just me. I know they make a lot of money, so I know they're going to keep happening. You're going to hate me. I'm not a huge fan of the original Lion King. I watched it once and I was like, 
it wasn't my thing. Like my my top two movies of the old days are Mulan number one because I you know let's get down to business. Got gotta have that. Gotta have that. And bless my soul, Herc was on a roll. Gotta have Hercules at number two. Sorry, I love my muses. You know what, man? Like Lion King is my favorite Disney movie and one of my favorite movies ever. <laughs> So Chess is just like, burn, Nathan. I'm off the burn. podcast, that's it. Yeah, yeah, burn in this heat, Nate. Go outside and uh, disappear like a vampire. How dare you? Uh, yeah, no, honestly, like, uh, obviously they're redoing Hercules uh, for for live-action Hercules, so wondering how that will play out as well. But really looking forward to see what they do with Lilo and Stitch. And uh, yeah, moving on to our next news item. It seems that Peter Dinklage is actually going to be starring in the Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, as Casca Highbottom, Dean of the Academy. Very small news item, because obviously I believe... I don't know if they've got it to go into production yet, but again, Peter Dinklage is an amazing actor. Never expected him to go into the Hunger Games, but I actually dropped off at the Hunger Games probably after the third one. Uh, I don't think I finished the final two. Uh, Breaking Dawn, or was that... That was probably Twilight. Um, but yeah, no, I never finished these films, but again, maybe, maybe I'll go back to it, check those films out and uh, go see what they're doing. Very, very small news item there. Right, jumping along to the video games. Right, so it seems that PlayStation is introducing a new loyalty program called PlayStation Stars. Possibly similar to how Microsoft does the Microsoft Rewards process. This has come from a blog on PlayStation. Uh, PlayStation Stars members will have opportunities to earn loyalty points. Points can be redeemed in a catalogue that may include PSN wallet uh, funds and and select PlayStation Store products as an additional benefit. PlayStation Plus members enrolled in, enrolled in PlayStation Stars automatically earn points for play, purchase on the PlayStation Store. If I could get myself some PlayStation credit to get some free games, I am down with that. I am down with that so much. And it just it's interesting to see that uh, PlayStation is going into this field because obviously with Microsoft having the loyalty system they already do and Game Pass and now PlayStation doing their version of, you know, Game Pass, their new PlayStation Plus version, which it's really good, by the way strays out today people yay and it's on playstation plus so i'll be playing that after this but i saw the games list that they have out it's stupid the amount of games they got on that list like over four or five hundred games you could play for 10.99 a month there's one thing we could say uh welcome to our topic stray looks like a very unique game that's actually that's actually one of the reasons why we're doing this topic today i feel i feel like uh, we're basically on this on this podcast people we like to connect our topics a lot of the time to relevant things that are happening in the world at the same time or you know movies that are coming out, games that are coming out, TV shows that are coming out. We like to do topics that surround that. Sometimes we do the odd different topic. But yeah, no, uh, obviously, you know, with this uh, PlayStation Stars, really interested to see what they're doing. It was a nice little uh, fun announcement that came from PlayStation a few days ago. Switching over to our next news item, Bungie is now officially part of the PlayStation family. It came out on July 15th at around 6pm. Uh, it's Bungie put out a tweet going... Uh, we are proud to officially join the incredible team at PlayStation. We are excited for the future of our company and we are inspired to bring together players from all over the world to form lasting friendships and memories. I'm happy with this. Bungie's a good team. I've heard Destiny's doing really well still. And uh, yeah, so that's obviously official now. Really, really looking forward to seeing what Bungie do now as part of the PlayStation family. Right. Hopping over now to our TV shows, to our TV shows, people, obviously... Another trailer got released this week, not the monsters, but for Lord of the Rings and the Rings of Power, the show that when they first released the first teaser, people were going, this is a $500 million show. Uh, Okay. And then they released the second trailer and people are going, oh, 
This is a $500 million TV show first season because Jesus Christ, this looked insanely. Just that opening shot looking over the, I believe it was the Elven Kingdoms, no doubt. You could definitely tell, I think Weta is involved with this because it looked so good. What were you, what was your guys' initial impressions? Yeah, I agree. It, all, it looked very, very film-esque. If I, if I didn't know it was a TV series, I'd think it was a new Lord of the Rings film. Yes, exactly the same. Um, you could tell the budget's there. And uh, I was getting, like, Lord of the Ring vibes, which, uh, you know, is always good. Um, I think there was a bit of a worry that they might not capture that same kind of atmosphere, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely ready for a, a, another big epic fantasy TV show. Uh, I guess the only thing I'm worried about is that it makes some of the same mistakes The Hobbit did um, and just sort of makes up a bunch of random stuff and that the writing is not so good. But we'll see how it goes. So I think with this, uh, in regards to this, like I know they've said that even though this is, you know, The Lord of the Rings, they're saying that they're not trying to pull as much inspiration from the t from the Peter Jackson movies. They're trying to do their own thing and drawing more lore from the art and the, the original just descriptions from Tolkien himself and obviously the Tolkien estate. Uh, I'm look, really looking forward to this because I, I have found out, because uh, I, I wanted to check up on this, this will be a show that's released weekly as well. So it won't be you know, dropped at once, which I'm a bit sad about because, you know, I think we've just been so engrossed with like streaming and like getting so much content recently getting all at once, which can be a chore, but can be a, a pleasure as well. And yeah, I, again, just look at, obviously this is set during the second age of man. Uh, it's following the forging of the rings of power, rise of Sauron, the foil of the island of Numenor, and the last dance of elves and men. Because I know they've said how this will start off thousands of years ago and end at the start of Fellowship of the Ring, literally at that battle. So I'm really interested to see what they do here. And I know, reading the Wikipedia page, that there are characters, because obviously we have Galadriel... Elrond in the show that's been confirmed but there are other people in the show which I won't mention now that do relate to the actual Lord of the Rings narrative and actually one character that's going to link into our topic later which I'm actually interested in with uh, Keller Brimbor so I'll actually top up, touch on that character later so yeah uh, again this show just looked insanely good uh, it's interesting because the first season is filmed in New Zealand but the second season is being filmed in London so, yeah, I'm wondering, because obviously this world is being explored more, maybe with, um, you know, technology, it's going to allow them with the volume to explore more around. That could be an idea. And maybe, you know, that's just how it's going to go. But we'll see how it goes out, because obviously the volume technology is becoming insanely good. And we'll see how that plays out later on. Moving on to our next news item, though, which is kind of pissing me off. Cowboy Bebop, the live action reboot, earned an Emmy nomination. They cancelled the show and they got an Emmy nomination for the opening sequence, which is a great, which to be fair, is just a remake of the original anime and also give us one more season. Sorry, it's a trigger, trigger for me. Can't help it. It's a trigger for me. They should have just given us one more season. But again, they uh, basically had a lot of the Emmys go up, all the Emmy nominations. Also, the show Midnight Mass got snubbed quite a bit. Uh, which actually frustrated me. The actor, Henry Linklater and Rahul Kali actually got snubbed for the actors on that. That actually did frustrate me a little bit. And uh, yeah, Cowboy Bebop got uh, nominated for Best Opening for Main Title Design. Looked great. They still cancelled the show. We're going to Netflix again in a moment. But yeah, let's see how... Let's see if it wins because it was an interesting intro. So switching out, continuing with Netflix... Uh, so Netflix actually wants to create its own versions of Star Wars and Harry Potter. 
I'm thinking with Stranger Things ending in a couple of years and The Witcher, I'm hoping it goes its entirety. So outside, outside of those, I can't think of many Netflix big properties. So you have actually, well, Squid Game. You have, you have your Squid Game. This is why I mentioned why they cancelled Cowboy Bebop. Umbrella you know, Academy, but I suppose that's, that's not as big, to be fair. To be fair, actually, it did actually really good numbers, like really good uh, viewing numbers, streaming numbers, but to the Stranger Things levels and to the uh, Witcher levels, I don't uh, know specifically. Yeah. Stranger Things, I think it's a, it's a level unto itself, but it's interesting to see how this plays out. I know that there's like potential franchises looking at are the free body problem, which I believe is a novel series that's been adapted um, from the peoples who did Games of Thrones. So the, uh, I wonder how that's going to play out. One Piece and Avatar The Last Airbender. Now, my concern is with this is, is that what really frustrates me, Netflix is very good, very good at their anime adaptations. So good. I can't think of that. I can't think of one bad anime adaptation really from Netflix, in my opinion. I think they're really good. You know, Arcane, you have uh, Castlevania, you have the Dragon, Dragon Prince, you have Dota, which is going into its third season as well. Uh, Dragon Blood, you know, you have all these shows. And when it comes to the live action, though, you have, you know, you have your Death Note, which is getting a reboot in a sense from the Duffer Brothers. You have your, um, well, your Cowboy Bebops. You have your, you know, I don't know. I don't believe they did Full Metal Alchemist, but like the, you had that as well. And they've not been as good with their live action versions. And I'm wondering how that's going to play out for their big properties. My hope is Avatar, The Last Airbender, and One Piece break this chain i'm hoping they're learning they're basically they're learning everything from the previous adaptations they've done to create a better process i'm hoping that's how it plays out i really am and for them to do their own star wars and harry potter i know that there is a film coming out from Zack snyder which is essentially star wars basically he took he took a script to disney was like i want to make a star wars movie and they went nope and so netflix just went we'll do it and he adapted it into a his own version i believe it's called rebel moon it's a sci-fi uh, samurai-inspired futuristic movie, uh, and it's already filming at the moment. So maybe that will be a big thing for them. But I know they're talking about Stranger Things spin-offs, so I'm wondering how that's going to play out. But yeah, Netflix with Amazon and Apple TV really starting to come into their own. Like, come on, you're going to have Mass Effect. You're going to have God of War at Amazon, Lord of the Rings at Amazon. I mean, Lord of the Rings unto itself at Amazon is, is going to be, you know, is a killer, and it, you know, it's a killer. It's huge, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They own Lord of the Rings now. You know, you know, that's what I'm saying. And they own James Bond. They own Rocky. They own Robocop. They own all these big things. Netflix have to figure out, like, the big properties. And I think I'm wondering how they're going to do it. Don't get me wrong. Not trying to be negative. Just really interested to see what they do. Yeah, you're right. Like, when you say about the fact that Amazon have Lord of the Rings, it makes total sense that they're trying to boot up their own Star Wars and Harry Potter stuff. Because it's like, those are pretty much on par yeah more or less so yeah you can definitely tell that they're trying to uh, match up with amazon basically well i think with disney as well disney are obviously doing all their star wars shows they're doing all their marvel shows and i think with covid as well because a lot of their shows were filmed during covid they're coming out of covid filming now so i think there's going to have a lot more expansion in their filming ability and I think it's going to really help them boom more with their properties. And also, I know they're doing the Percy Jackson adaptation as well. So actually, you know, do it. So they're actually having their own version of Harry Potter to a degree. Uh, and I know the original writer actually came back for the Percy Jackson show. 
and they actually cast the uh, boy from the Adam Project as Percy Jackson. So great movie, great lead actor. Look to see what happens there. But yeah, really hoping Netflix can figure out what's going on here. Uh, really hoping that they actually pull something off. I'm, I'd be really interested to see what they do. I think they just need to buy. The Witcher is probably their closest at the moment to their big like adaptation property that's actually pulled in great numbers for them. Because obviously Stranger Things is an original concept. Um, Squid Game is an original concept. The Witcher is the only one I could think of in live action that's done quite well for them. Outside of that, I can't really think of another Netflix show that's done... Oh, well, actually, no, apologies. Umbrella Academy is an adaptation from a comic book series. So, And obviously they cancelled that show um, Jupiter Legacy as well, that superhero show. They only went for one season. Again... Hopefully this goes well. Hopefully hopefully it plays out well. But yeah, we will see as we go down the line. Right. Quickly hopping along, people. Quickly hopping along. So uh, finishing up, though, with a couple more things. So they announced the new boys TV series, which is good, which is based on the college spinoff about teens trying to compete for contracts and, super, and all the superior antics that go on there. And it's called Gen V. I'm actually very happy with this title. The thing is, though, I was actually surprised that one of the castings in the movie, I'm just going to bring up the casting name now. Can you guys see the name of the actor in that uh, video there? Patrick Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger's son is in this show. Now, I've actually read a news article. Arnold saw this script and went, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I'm not surprised. To be fair, Arnold Schwarzenegger has actually appeared in quite some random things back in the day. So, to be fair, this is actually quite over the top compared to what he did so we have two the two spin-offs for the boys now right no, the no the, oh yeah the animated were diabolical and yeah, this, yeah and this yeah i did I, I didn't realize it was doing that well i mean i knew it was doing all right but oh I mean, yeah no doing very well doing very well i know i believe they've their viewings have consecutively improved with each season and i'm wondering that, yeah when we get into our spoiler discussion i don't think the boys can actually go on for much longer like, after how the last season went, we'll get into our spoiler discussion, but I'd give it two more seasons at most before it's done. And I think that, like, The Expanse, which is actually another show I think we should get into at some point, um, sometimes it's good to actually cap off a show when it's riding on a high. Absolutely, yeah. If they have a clear place that they want to end it on, um, it should play out its natural lifespan rather than drag on. Yeah, no, most definitely, most definitely. But that is the news, people. That is the news, ending with The Boys Gen V, which I'm very much looking forward to. So obviously, when it comes to all these, you know, systems, I think it's the best way to go. So, right, we're going to end it there, people. We are now going to enter our main topic. I'm going to, after this ad break, let's, uh, and let's go to the ad break and come back after that. An illegal spy agency discovers the theft of a prototype weapon. Derek, codename Confused Llama, and his handler, Frank, codename Majestic Vole, investigate the theft. A naive man with fanciful notions, Derek sets out on his inept journey to reclaim the weapon from villainous hands, unaware of the hidden tale following him. Enter the world of Confused Llama, a spy's tale, a short comedic spy thriller available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. And welcome back, people. Obviously, go check out the lovely Confused Llama, A Spice Tale by our lovely James now on Amazon and Kindle. So, yeah, go check that out, people. Right, people, we have done the news. That means we are now getting into the main topic of the show. So, obviously, with a lovely, I guess you could say this is the perfect opportunity 
to do this topic because Chaz has actually wanted me to do this topic for along these lines for a little bit. But I thought with Stray coming out this week, obviously we've, we've mentioned this game for multiple weeks now coming into uh, its release, which is released today on the Tuesday the 19th for PlayStation and Epic and Steam. Go check it out, people. Uh, we thought we'd actually do something a little bit different. So on that note... I'm actually going to hand over the hosting uh, reins now to Chaz, and I'm going to let him explain today, as he mentioned a little bit before, and then we will get into the main topic of the uh, the lesson, so or the uh, conversation topic. So let's hand over to Chaz. Take it away. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, today's topic is going to be about games that do something unique. Um, that can mean you know something mechanically unique, or maybe a different theme than what we're used to. Basically, from what we see in you know regular AAA or indie titles. Um, I do want to preface as well that these games don't necessarily have to be classed as good games. Uh, you know, they might not have done well commercially. They might not have reviewed well. Just some games that tried something unique um, and that we think are interesting uh, ones to talk about, basically. And uh, since Nate always starts with me, I'm going to throw it back and kick it off with you, Nate. What is the first game you want to talk about today? I uh, see so he's held this back for almost 20, 25 episodes now. When I go on iHost, I'm going to throw it back to you, you ass. All right. Okay, right. Yes. Yeah, so uh, can you guess what one of my first games might be without possibly the hint earlier, James? Because I know you probably got one of them. But can you guess one of my first games? I don't know. What is it? Skyrim. No, it's not Skyrim, unfortunately. No, it's not Skyrim. So I'm actually going to be talking about the lovely series Portal. Look, so, yeah, yeah. So obviously with this game, I haven't played it in quite a while. But when we when you brought this topic up, I thought to myself, what are games that had unique features that I, I distinctly remember? And a game that's actually just been recently released on Steam. Well, yeah, recently released on Steam for the first time. Not Steam. Switch for the first time is the portal, you know, is portal. So I've actually heard about it recently. I thought I might actually go back and play that. I've heard it holds up really well still. And when this game first came out, it was insane. Like, you know, the gravity mechanics, the, you know, the actual portal abilities and just the AI as well, like the actual narrative that played into it. And I've seen, you know, it brought out that amazing line, the cake is a lie, you know, and that it, the life is a triumph, you know, like it brought out that still alive song. And I don't know, it was just, it was just a, we're going to another game in a minute, which I think was very unique at its time when it came out. And I think when it comes to this game and the, the, and the good thing is the sequel, I think, improved upon the first one, which which doesn't always happen with video games. And obviously brought in Stephen Merchant in the sequel, which I thought was hilarious as the AI. But yeah, my first one for gameplay mechanics is Portal. That's an awesome choice, man. You know what? I hadn't even thought about Portal when I was thinking about this list, which probably shows you and I's difference in gaming preferences. But Portal definitely had a massive impact. Um, it's still run pretty much every um, game's done quick, I'm pretty sure. Um, so, yeah, definitely a, a good choice there. Um, let's uh, hand over to James to do his first one. Cool. Yeah. First of all, I just want to remind what I said back in the news section. I said I was very happy with everything I came up with for this list, and I've got some super choices. That might be in a coded message. So my first game of the list is a game that is called Everything. And it's a game where it's, it's literally, it's, so it's, it's very, very unique. Um, I suppose it's a little, one of those games which is a little bit difficult to whether, to, whether you can tell whether it, when it is a game, but it's not gamey. So it kind of like starts at the um, beginning of the universe, and of the universe, well, ish kind of thing near, near the start of life anyways and then can like, can like our current day and you basically literally can 
inhabit anything. So you can have it like a cow, a tree. Um, you can go all the way down into um, inhabiting amoebas, atoms, molecules. Or then you can go all the way back up um, inhabiting planets and stars and whole galaxies. And the further, the further up, further up you decide to go, the faster time travels. So if you go all the way back and have a galaxy, you then find a planet and zoom in. Then that planet might be more advanced. Might now be cars. Might be traffic. Might be people. So it's a really unique game. You know what? I, I feel like this list is going to um, remind me of a bunch of well interesting games that I've just sort of heard about years ago and forgotten about, and then now I've been reminded again because I've definitely seen the trailer for this one. And yeah, it's uh, a very cool looking simulation game. It's kind of related to one of the things I might want to talk about, but um, I'll get to that there. Uh, cool. I guess I will go with my first one. Uh, it might be one that you guys might not have expected from me because it is kind of AAA, um, and that is Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice. Yay! <laughs> it's the only AAA game I'm going to mention, though. So there you go. We'll get your feel. But um, yeah. So what I liked about Hellblade, I played it through with my partner. Um, was again the unique themes it explored um with the mental illness um and also the you know the the cool backdrop with the kind of viking i guess uh picked warrior that's it uh pick warrior may make her way to hell hellheim and uh just the the interesting use of you know what what's real the voices in her head uh the really cool art style it was just a, a really unique experience and um, something I hope more AAA games uh, companies try to do as well. Just kind of unique takes on, uh, on the format, condensed experiences you can get through in a session or two. This is the sort of thing I want to see from AAA, you know, exploring different ideas, but also with that AAA quality, basically. So, yeah, when I first played this game, which I'll, I will admit I've never completed this game yet, which is kind of frustrating because I thought... I would have done. I think I just found it quite difficult to get through. To be honest, at points, it's because I was actually going through a bit of a tough time myself, and I play, ended up playing this game. And I think it was probably the, it was probably the wrong time to play this game when I was Possibly, going to be yeah. Because I I do love the fact that this game has no UI in the game itself. Like it's all just on screen. Not well, you know. There's no health bar. There's no like AI notifications. It's just. just the audio guiding you and then also if i remember correctly news articles it says the audio could trick you sometimes yes yeah i believe there was a point where we were playing where um the whispers and i believe it's um i don't know what you call it like, it can go in your left or right ear whatever that is kind of surround sound audio um it whispered in like towards the right came out of our speakers behind you and we we're like there's an enemy I looked around no nothing there stereo i think yeah stereo yeah no, that's that's awesome, man. I, I, I'm, I've, and also we got uh, Hellblade two coming out soon. Yeah, I'm, I, I am really excited for that, but I hope that you know the purchase of that studio by Microsoft is nin, uh, is it Ninja Fury? Yeah, Ninja Fury. Uh, I hope that it, they can keep that same uniqueness that the uh, original title had, but we'll see. Uh, the trailer looked cool for the second one, so I'm hope, I'm hopeful. It looked very fucking weird, definitely. Well, that's the idea, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Awesome. All right, Nate, you want to uh, go with your second choice? So going from gameplay mechanics to art direction. Right, so with art direction, I decided to try and look at loads of different games. You have your Bioshocks, you know, you have your Akamis. But I thought, 
a game in the last 10 years, which I think really struck a chord with me, which I can't play for shit. Like, I am going, I got, I loved getting into Elden Ring. I loved getting into, uh, you know, I tried playing Dark Souls in those games, but this is another roguelike game, a very, very difficult game to play, and that is Cuphead! I thought you might mention yeah. Cuphead. Yeah, this, this game is just, honestly, it's, like, I've, I've tried playing this game so much because, at the end of the day, I really appreciate the fact that I believe all the art in this game is hand-drawn, Yep. And I think, like, that is insane for a video game to do. And I think that's why I've put it at the top of my... Well, not, not the top, just the one I appreciate the most in regards to art direction, because it was so unique when it first came out. So unique. And the fact they've only just released the first DLC for this game, I believe, recently, after... And this game, this game came out in 2017. So it's been out for a good while now. And I believe, like, I'd, I'd actually really like to go back and play this game again and just see if I could try and get through the game with what I could. And obviously, they recently had the Netflix TV series, which has got a second season coming out soon, which kept the art style. I know, James, you really liked the Netflix I did, show. I did like the Netflix show. I thought it was a nice throwback to, you know, the, the old school animations. Yeah, it's just like, and, you know, the fact that, you know, people could complete this game and, you know, I've literally got a video up now on our Discord. Uh, people could complete this game in 23 minutes in a speed run. Maybe some people could complete it longer, but just the, the unique mm -hmm. landscapes and the character designs. And I just think it's absolutely insane how this plays out. And I'm just wondering what will happen later on down the line. So, yeah, that is a, that's my choice for art direction in a video game. Yeah, play. awesome choice, man. Um, I, I felt the same when, when this game came out. It's just like... You said it's unique, but you know when it came out, it's still unique. I can't think of a game that looks like this. Um, I think that perhaps it's not had any knockoffs because uh, it's actually really difficult to emulate this style. Um, it's yeah, it's one of the games again that I enjoy much more to watch than to play because uh, I'm not great at reflex-based games either. Um, but yeah, it's super impressive to watch in in speedruns, and I think it's kind of like Portal, going to be one of those games that we'll see for a long time in um gdqs uh but yeah awesome choice man uh james you want to give us your second game sure so remember what i said about the coding message we already got one of that uh code uh there's another code in there for two super games you got any ideas what they might be super games um oh is it from supermassive nope. no no neither is it super mario is it uh, batman so it's not super batman no is it Superman so, 64? No. Oh, right, so God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to raise your portal, and I'm going to uh, give you Superliminal as my puzzle game of choice with unique mechanics. This game really messes with um, the notion of perspective. Uh, you, you can, like, lift objects close to the object from, like, far from you. Um, yeah. If you look at it like, close up, it will be much larger when you put it back down. And it does so many things. Which it's like all these like optical illusions with with puzzle mechanics. Oh Jesus Christ! It, it really messes with your head, but in 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 a great way. It's hard for me to explain without you playing it, but um, it's yeah, it's it's something else. I just looked at so basically, people. We have the uh, we we're showing the trailers up at the moment. I just saw the the state of play trailer that came out a couple a few years ago for this, and like the PlayStation controller getting massive or like I'm, i've never heard of this game before 
And I think I'm going to have to play this game. Like, yeah, it's, definitely. It's very yeah. short, but it is absolutely worth it if you love your puzzle games. And if you'd like your puzzle games to be really unique and really mess with your head and try some very, very different, this is definitely worth a, uh, worth a go. I'm wondering if it'll be on the, the new PlayStation Plus, so I might just be able to literally just go and play this straight away. Uh, but no, I'm really looking forward to playing this. I feel like this is another one of those games that I've, again, I saw like a few years back. I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And then I never got around to picking it up. Although, to be fair, this one would probably break my brain a little bit. <laughs> I'm not the best at puzzle games. So, yeah, um, this is like just another example of why I really like indie games, because they have, you know, they have room to do unique mechanics. This is very typical of what the uh, the theme is, really. Um, they're not super long, are they? You can just kind of explore them in an afternoon and be like, that was really cool, and then talk about it in podcasts. Awesome, man. Yeah, really good choice. Uh, I guess it's me again. Um, this is the only game that I think that James and I might overlap on, uh, and that is Pony Island. Uh, well, not much to it in my list, actually. Oh, okay, good, good. So, yeah, um, on the surface, it's a very, very simple arcade, old arcade-style game. Um, but Pony Island does some really cool, unique things with uh, kind of themed around hacking the code of the game, but it goes a lot further than that. Um, and it does a lot of fall breaking stuff, which I always enjoy in games. Um, and again, it's one of those games that you can kind of just enjoy in an afternoon, pretty much. So it has a cool concept, executes it really well, and doesn't overstate its welcome. It's not the cutesy game that it looks like. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It, yeah, definitely not. This game just looks insane. Like I'm, like, I'm just watching the IGN Pony Island review just on mute now, and Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm so glad we're doing this because like this episode is going to open up a world. Because I'm, you know, as people who love video games, you have all these video game ideas that you want to create. And actually looking at this video game, it's already giving me like, you know, ideas and what could actually try to integrate into mine as well, like, you know, inspirations. And I think it's great having this topic today, Chaz, that you've put forward, because I think also just unlock a lot of game dev personality for a lot of people, you know, inspiration for a lot of people who might listen. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it, I would say as well that uh, the, the trailer probably doesn't do justice to half of the stuff that's in this game, um, even though it is quite short. <laughs> Yeah, if you ever get around to it, you'll see. Maybe we could talk about it one day. Yeah, yeah, that's my uh, second pick. So back to you, Nate. So I am going with the Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor video games from Lord of the Rings. And specifically, the Nemesis system, which is a trademark system from this company now, which basically, uh, yeah... Yeah, Monolith uh, came out with this and how I I did have a news article here basically coming up. But basically, this company had an AI system where if you kill an enemy, that enemy will come back later, upgrade and remember you. Or if they or if they kill you, they will uh, actually go upgraded in rank and they'll actually become more powerful the next time you meet them. It also goes into the fact that you could actually recruit some of these ai characters into your party you'd actually have narratives like minor narratives with them and you could actually use those characters to go up against other ai characters it's this whole interweaving system and it's interesting because this this company has actually trademarked the entire 
mechanic in itself, so no one else can use this. Which That's I think interesting. Is, yeah, it's it's an interesting system how they've how they've approached like you know trademark. It, I I believe it's the first time that a company has actually been you know patented. So basically, yeah, going off of Game Biz here, uh, Warner Brothers has finally secured patent for the Shadow of Mordor's Nemesis system. Uh, publishers could maintain rights to the series signature mechanic until twenty thirty five. Now, obviously, the next game that Monolith are doing, which I'm actually quite surprised of because I figured they might do another Shadow game, but they're actually doing Wonder Woman next. So, obviously, you know, they could do uh, Themyscira Island and all the ideas with that. But I don't know. I, I Going off of, like, you know, we're having the Lord of the Rings series coming out in Celebrimbor, who's actually a main character in the Shadow games. He's actually the, the Wraith that actually takes over your body in those games. And he's the one who created the rings of power and it's 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 like you're dealing with sauron but it's just that nemesis system mechanic where you you kill someone and you could chop off the arm or and the ai comes back later just insults you and just remembers you it was so intriguing to go into a video game and actually play that and actually see that play out and so basically uh, going off of here this is actually the description from ign according to ign the pattern protects the nemesis system system nemesis characters Nemesis Forts, Social Vendettas, and Follows in Computer Games. This encompasses a hierarchy of procedurally generated NPCs that interact with and remember the player's actions. The pattern also covers changes to the NPCs' positions in the hierarchy, as well as their appearance and behavior, again based on the actions of the player. Finally, it includes the social conquest battles from the 2017 sequel Shadow War, which allow players to use these NPCs to defend their own strongholds and attack the other players. Obviously, this could go go in effect on February twenty third, in like a few years ago to twenty thirty five plus. But yeah, it's just that whole like integrated system which I never saw before, and just how amazingly it played. And the fact that this could be trademarked for another thirteen years for anyone else can use it, which they could just renew the trademark. But I kind of would like them to let other studios use the system. I think it'd be good to have or to see see another company do. The, do what happens here and i'm really looking forward to seeing what because this is just a huge innovation and yeah i've gone on about a bit too long but yeah that's my one that's uh for i when i talked about ai systems basically before we announced this episode i actually changed the name of my mechanics so actually changes to ai system but yeah it's called the nemesis system in the shadow series uh shadow mordor series shadow war series so yeah, that's my uh that's my unique game uh, mechanic yeah, nice one, man. Uh, I remember when these games were coming out, and yeah, the Nemesis system was a lot of what people were talking about, and I think that that's the reason why they're remembered quite well today, um, you know, and amongst all the fantasy RPGs we had coming out at that time. It's interesting as well about the uh, the patent on a mechanic. Um, <laughs> I wonder if we'd see more of that if more studios made more unique game seems, mechanics. I seem to think from all other mechanics that have been patented before this. It's definitely not a common thing. I, I, might, I, I might be wrong, but one which one which seems to ring a bell is I can't remember what it was called, but back about twenty years ago, I think there was a game which did some uh, madness mechanics. Your game changed uh, the more uh, like like insanity meter, and what's that? Which are you talking about? Eternal Darkness. That's one. Did they pat pattern that? Oh, do you know what? That's another unique I game. Be, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Don't quote me, but I think it might be the case. Yeah, well, you just reminded me that that game exists and I probably should have put that on my list, so whoops. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, do you want to go on to your next one, James, then? Yes, uh, my next super game is Super Hot, which also describes the state of the UK at the moment. Are all of your games themed around Super? No, that, that is, that, I, I promise you that is the last Super one, but uh, 
But yeah, this is basically it's a first person shooter. And me saying that sounds like how the hell can it be unique? Because tons of first person shooters. But it's literally a game where you are in control of every single frame of a shooter. As soon as you move the game as soon as you stop, the game stops. So it's like playing the whole thing in slow motion, but you are in minute control of every action within that slow motion cycle. It's a very unique way to play a shooter. I almost can't wrap my head around how that would work, to be honest. Like, it looks cool, and I understand why the premise would be good. But yeah, it's kind of a brain twister, that one. It is. I mean, to to be fair, it's it's actually more of a puzzler than a shooter. You really have to, like, work work things out. It's I would probably I'll go so far to say that it is really a puzzle game. Mm. It's it's almost like the opposite of a shooter in a way because shooters are you know based on twitch reflexes and suddenly reacting, whereas this you've got to like really pace yourself, take your time, and figure out what your next move should be. Mm. I do like the fact I'm just looking at like a video here now, and you can actually throw guns at enemies, and I think that's absolutely great in a game. Just throw the gun at enemies, just like fuck you, and then just go on to the next target. I think that's really awesome. Yeah, definitely a cool pick there. Um. Oh, um, this has been a pretty interesting topic so far. Right, my next one. This is actually a very old game series. Uh, this is something I played growing up. Um, it's called the Creatures series. Uh, you guys may or may not have heard of this, but basically, it's an artificial life simulator um, with a kind of I don't know how to describe it. Like a oh my god, what is that video? <laughs> Two creatures free. It's probably more. Uh, uh, around the thing but yeah so on the surface it looks very simple um but underneath it has it simulates um the creature's brains their biology uh it simulates disease it simulates um like uh genetics it simulates uh emotions it's actually kind of insane the reason it's on this list isn't so much for the game itself but for the potential, um, I would really like to see a series, a modern series, have a go at trying to do something like this, where you can kind of work and control populations of these, of creatures, um, and have them evolve. You know, have genetical mutations happen, have social interactions happen, and honestly, I've looked. There's not really anything like this. Um, Go on, Jake. I was just going to say, it looked like a cross between a Furby and a Gremlin. Yeah, that's the thing. Like on the surface, it looks like a kids' game, and they did make kids' game versions of it. But it's incredibly complex under the surface. So it's got a massive uh, modding scene. To be fair, looking at this game, going we're, we're basically again people are looking at Discord are streaming at the moment. This is on Windows three point one in nineteen ninety six. So the graphics we can get a give and take. When when you describe this game, like you know. The whole artificial aspect. It does remind me, like, I never really played this, but I know of it. It's a black and white, like, using a similar concept, possibly. Kind of. So think black and white with, as you can train your creature, but, like, yeah, you can train, like, a whole host of them. And, uh, and way, way more complex. Like, yeah. It's actually insane. You can literally, like, open up a kit to look at a creature's brain and see like how its neurons are working and how it's thinking you can manipulate like the brain to make it behave in certain ways it's mad um i kind of wish that there was more games like it there's not really been anything since so i played it a lot as a kid it came out recently on steam i've sunk another 20 hours into it recently um so yeah that's my pick 
for the third one. Uh, I think we are back to you, Nate. So we're going. I've done my gameplay mechanics. I've done my art direction. I've done the AI system, and now I'm going for that sweet, sweet combat. And that we are going for the Arkham series, the Batman Arkham series, because though this game, like I've been reading up on the uh, the combat system for this game, a lot of games actually did this before this came out. So obviously you had the Spider-Man video games on the PlayStation One. You had the Path of Neo which was a brilliant game on the PlayStation 2 and Enter the Matrix. But Batman is the one to me which basically brought in the what I like to call the free-flow combat mechanic. So how, whereas in previous games you had to switch between enemies and then it would go into a lot sort of like combat stance uh, with those enemies. With with, Ar- with the Arkham series, there came a point with the interactivity. So looking at the look at our screen now, well, basically I've got a video up where you, you can fight up to maybe 20 enemies at once Characters could throw objects at you. You could grab those objects, hit another character, grab another character, shove them into a light, you know, electrocute them. And then there was different grades of enemies as well. So you had to adjust your combat style to different enemies. So some enemies like have like electric batons or like shields. You had to change your combat style to affect that. So free flow combat doesn't just apply to the movement in the character itself. It actually applies to how the actual you have to adapt the game you have to adapt the combat mechanics as well so obviously you had in this series like you know the 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 warning system against enemies now other games did have this before i believe but this was the first one that i do believe like had multiple levels of that which does integrate into adapting to different ais to fight and i just loved how like you know this went from like manual combat with like characters to the actual like in arkham knight where you had the Batmobile. So you actually controlled the Batmobile against tanks as well. So the combat was free-flowing as well, so you could have multiple attack modes with this game series. And they had like entire challenges as as we're looking at now, where you it got so insane to get to like multiplier mechanics to actually in- increase your damage. And I just remember buying the Arkham, the first Arkham game, buying it looking outside in the darkness had to come and turn out i'd end up playing it for like almost 12 13 hours straight and i just lost the day and i still love this game series so much and i'm really looking forward to seeing what suicide squad is like because obviously there's going to be multiple characters now with multiple different uh, multiple different combat styles and obviously you've got gotham knights coming out which has four different characters and four different uh, styles in themselves so I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens there. But yeah, Arkham, the Arkham series for free flow combat specifically, how I like to call it, include from AI from AI adjustment to everything is my next choice. Very nice, man. Yeah, I feel like we got quite a nice base covered here because you're talking about like mechanics and, and unique kind of aspects of uh, AAA games, which admittedly around about this time I kind of fallen off AAA games. I must say, uh, just watching this video. I I'm completely see what you mean by the free-flowing combat. It looks like it would be very satisfying to play, and it's pretty damn cool to watch as well. Very nice, man. Great pick, yeah. Uh, let's move back to James then. Yeah, so, Nate, you love your Marvel, right? I love me some Marvel, that's right. And you're, and you're a big fan of Stan Lee? I am a big fan of Stan Lee, yeah. How's this going? My next game is the Stan Lee... Pa- sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, the Stan Lee Purple. Stan Lee Purple. Very good. Yeah, so Stanley Pebble is it's, 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 again, it's one of the one of these which is kind of like, is it even a game? It kind of is. It's so you've got this narrator telling you things to do in like like a game, and it's kind of like a treatise on game design, really. So 
one of the first choices you have is to go through two doors. You've got the narrator telling you to go through um, one of those doors. If you go through that door, you'll get another choice along that path. If you don't, then the narrator will change you, will ambassade you for going down the wrong direction. And you get all these different narratives with different endings um, in accordance with what you do. And it's really, really inventive. The whole thing is basically a treatise on, on game design. And it's um, a very, very funny game as well. Great pick, man. Um, yeah, I played the original. Uh, it came out of a deluxe edition recently, which I need to check out, I think. But um, as you said, it's just, yeah, very meta. Um, there's a lot of secrets to discover. Uh, again, I like um, I like games that will surprise you do unexpected things push the uh do kind of meta things and break the fourth wall and stand your parables full of that sort of stuff you should check it out nate if you haven't <laughs> yeah no i said i'm i said what we do is people now on a, the uh, the uh, podcast we actually like to put up a bit of videos in the background just so we actually a bit of context i'm looking at it now and uh looking at like you know the subliminal uh or was it subliminal you mentioned earlier it was superliminal super sorry super liminal almost there it does have a similar art style to that which i'm very intrigued by and uh with uh, the ultra deluxe uh, edition coming out recently i am very interested in this especially the mind c- control facility that's just come on screen so yeah i'm definitely glad to check this out yeah awesome thank you man great pick as usual cool so back to me then so the next game i want to talk about this might be slightly controversial um but for some context uh i like to watch people play games as well as play them myself so you know people youtubers who make um games about who uh, play games and twitch streamers as well um my next game is pathologic i've not played this game but i've watched a lot of videos about it pathologic is a role-playing survival game it's set in the russian step it's set in a russian step town where the plague hits and you play a healer who has to um, combat the plague. Now, that's a very, very surface level take on it. It's known for a very, very complex story. It's known for basically taking what you expect from video game mechanics and twisting it on its head. And it also breaks the fourth wall in places, which you've probably seen a bit of a theme in some of my picks. So it's actually kind of infamous for being a game that people literally recommend you don't play because it's the gameplay is described as jank. But um, it just does some very interesting things with its narrative, basically. Um, NPCs will lie to you. You won't know they've lied to you. You have to figure that out. Dialogue trees aren't trees. They just, you know, you pick your option and you have to be sure that that's the right one. If you pick the wrong option, tough. Um, and it just does really interesting things with um, its narrative. Uh, just to give you an example, one of the quests has you, um, so you have survival meters like you would in, you know, hunger first, etc. And the game sets you up to be at a point where um, you are very, very thirsty, you're very hungry, and you have to deliver food to a house that needs it. It's a shelter. So you're literally carrying a basket full of food while you're starving, and there's nothing stopping you from taking the food and eating it. But you think, this is a quest. I'll go get the food in. So you get to the lodge, uh, you get to the uh, shelter, and the place is overrun with the plague, and your time, money, and food is wasted. 
the right thing to do in this situation to benefit your character would be to eat the food. So there's a lot more to it than that, but that's a really cool example. Uh, I've actually watched a, a gameplay series of this game where someone's literally acted out all of the voice acting because it's, you know, the story is so good and compelling that they've basically gone through the game, voiced it out, voiced everything out, got an actors in so that you don't have to play it. <laughs> so, yeah. These two are looking at me perplexed, but no, it's, no, a... it's, not, it's not really interesting. It's not, it's not like something I wouldn't mind checking out. Yeah, so there is actually a Pathologic 2, which people recommend to actually play over Pathologic 1. Um, so that's on my list to check out one day. But yeah, there is my strange uh, pick there for Pathologic and Pathologic 2. So uh, back to you, Nate. So you actually mentioned a word earlier. So what, what, how did you describe this game? Oh, how did I describe it? I said a lot of things, didn't I? Infamous. Well, it looks like that's a nice segue because we are going to the infamous game series. So uh, specifically, the karma system in Infamous. So obviously in... I know other games have done the karma system, such as, you know, Mass Effect and a few other times, and Fable as well. But I believe Fable had a karma system at one point yep. as well. But Infamous for me was the most recognized, was the most distinguishable because the character, the UI would change for the character specifically. So obviously you'd have different loading screens for the character as your karma changed. Your powers would be different. So in the game, you had electrical powers in the, in, in the first couple of games as you play as Desmond. Uh, and... I don't know. It was just how weird how and then, you know, how people would how the city would react to you, which I thought was an interesting mechanic. I loved the fact like because I'm as everyone knows, I'm a massive like superhero fan. And like to see this like, you know, character Delson, sorry, Cole McGrath and Delson Rowe, you know, make this good karma, evil karma. And, you know, the different systems you'd be like, you know, protected true hero to thug to infamous, which is interesting because infamous the title of the game is actually the bad route so it's interesting they use that they use that uh, naming mechanic for there when it came to so they had what's called the car car mix system and it contained like six sections free good free evil and it just depends on the acts you do in the game so killing people or like you know so there's different so you can actually knock people out or you can actually kill them or you know just you know electrocute them to death and obviously, you know, me being a goody two-shoes, I actually prefer to take the good car, you know, the good route. And I think with video games, most people percentage-wise do actually tend to do that. And just going back to these sorts of games, I think Infamous is the game series, which kind of wish we had more because obviously we had Infamous 1, 2, and Second Son. Uh, Second Son was brilliant because it had four different superpowers in itself, like digital superpowers, which I thought was insane. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. We can't talk about this one as much because I think it's... Because I feel... Quite a few other games that have actually done this. But I think like back in 2009 or 2010 when this game out, game came out, I just it just distinctly keeps in my mind. I, I kind of wish they did like a remaster of this game because it is on the new PlayStation Plus. Um, but I did try playing it. But unfortunately, because you can only stream it, you can't download it. I prefer to be able to download it because you can't play it on the PS5 outside of that. Uh, but yeah, no, I, it's the infamous Karma system with the comic meter and everything that I really love, to be honest. Awesome, man. Yeah, you know what? What stands out to me about this is, you're right, there are a lot of games with karma systems, but I think a lot of them are criticised for being really basic. You know, it's like so obvious, good or evil, 
choice. So to see a game that has a lot more depth, a lot more, you know, just potential for what you your character can turn out like, um, is definitely something that unfortunately is kind of unique. There's not a lot of that out there. Uh it would be it would be good to see more games do a bit more uh with that system. Yeah, because I will say like just to wrap it like, like at the start of the game your character does start off like Visual, your clothes do start off one way and depending on like on how far you go like most games just change like your skin or your face this game does change your entire appearance as is different the different ways you go which i think was very awesome yeah nice one man yeah great pick so that's james now yeah i don't know how much time we've got left here. about 12 minutes about 10 it's minutes yeah ne- yeah yeah because my next pick is 12 minutes for fuck's sake for fuck's sake oh man. my god so, this is a Think of magic to do a pun for every single one of these or sort of all I'm dying and the heat I'm isn't crazy. helping. So yeah, so twelve minutes is is a time it's, it's a time loop game. It's a very, very um locational time loop game. Now we did an episode on time loops. I think twelve minutes was mentioned, but I had not played it at that point. Uh, I have since checked it out, I've not finished it, but I've played it enough to understand it and it's very what I played is a very unique uh, time loop game. You're literally in uh, a bedroom, trying. You've got an impossible situation within like 12 minutes. Your character's going to die, and you need to work out. But then your loop keeps getting reset, and it's a, like a point-and-click kind of adventure. But you're trying to work out how to end the time loop essentially, and save your and save you and your partner's life. And while point-and-click is something that's been done, not it's the way that this has been done, the narrative narrative constraints of this situation, where it's very, very small kind of area, it's it's like playing a bottle episode, essentially, from like a TV show. You're in one very small area, got a limited amount of choices, but actually um, it's quite, well, it's it's, it's challenging in the sense that I've not completed it yet, although I've only played about, uh, I've only played a handful of runs so far, I need to get back into it. And it does have an interesting voice cast as well, if I'm correct. It does. It's got Willem Dafoe. Uh, it's got Professor X. James um, McAvoy. That's the one. And Daisy Ridley. Ah, oh, Star Trek. Star Wars. God damn you. <laughs> yeah, again, this is the kind of game that uh, and you know embodies um, indie creativity with limited resources. As you said, it's literally set in one room. Yeah. I I think also it actually, nice one, James, because it actually links back to the reason why we did this topic today, because developed by Annapurna, who also did Stray. Oh, very nice. Didn't know that. It's a nice link back there. Kind of reminds me of, uh, not a game I've played, but um, Outer Wilds has uh, a time loop where you're trying to figure out how to, uh, well, how to save, I believe it's save the world, I think. Um, It's kind of like the opposite in a way, because it's, uh, you know, one room versus the world or the universe but yeah i don't know if that came up during your uh time loop episode at all outer worlds definitely we've got to mention in the um our time loop episode i will say quickly uh it was publisher not a developer i just want to get that in there quickly oh your wikipedia is uh failing you <laughs> all right cool thank you for that james uh so i could talk about a lot of games but i think i will list this one as my last one uh and this one is one from a game I haven't played to a game I've played a lot, um, to, I'm going to talk about RimWorld. So RimWorld is a construction and management simulation video game. Um, another one of those games that on the surface doesn't look 
amazing. Uh, I have uh, initially I was put off by it, but it's one of those games where the systems underneath are incredibly complex. You have a social system, you have a, a building system, you have like an AI system, you have um, you have like the potential for. It's one of those games. I don't know how to describe it. I think it's there is a term for it, but basically, the narrative kind of makes itself. Um, you know, thing events will come along, things will happen to your colony. Um, some that you can dictate, some that you don't. Um, but it's is it emergent. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good word for it. But um, yeah, what I like about this game is that uh, it's a it's a simulation builder game, and I enjoy those. But also, you can do some really interesting, but barbaric or not so stuff with it, and uh, it's. Yeah, there's a lot of potential. It's hugely in depth, and it's also got a massive modding scene, which doesn't hurt. But yeah, that is my pick. Uh, Nate, do you have another game for us? I have one more. I have one more game, and uh, it's actually a game that Chaz actually gave me a suggestion to use for this like topic we were doing today. It's a game that took me seventy hours to complete, in air quotes. That is Death Stranding by Hideo Kojima Productions. This game is, what the fuck am I playing? Uh, especially going into it. Like, the first 10 hours alone, like, you, you're still trying to get used to the game in the first 10 hours. Like, the fact that they have, like, motorbikes, trucks, walking. Walking is a, is a chore in itself because you have to load bear your walking over each leg when you're, when you're trying to, you know, balance yourself. Like, all all the weight mechanics in the game is insane. I love the fact that they included a lot more traversal mechanics as the games went on, so you actually have able to have, like, you know, augment your suit more. You actually be able to slingshot your character. Jets on your boots so you could actually jump much further. It would have helped earlier on in the game to actually do snow. I just love the fact that Norman Reedus uh, has gone from The Walking Dead to become a postman in this game. Um, I love the fact that, like, how... You know, they're, they're like there are celebrities in this game. You can actually like, it's a very, it's also it's very meta because a lot of people are underground in this game. Like, you know, they're staying out of the world. Which was I played this game. I think roughly when COVID was hitting. So it's very, very interesting to play a game where you send messages to people, and playing this game in bunkers, which I thought was very meta at the time. But again, like, I love, I loved how in this game that just the traversal system how it affected the player how you could build uh structures which would actually interact with other people in the world as well so people could build like pathways and roads and bridges and if, you, if people could like that and like you could gain credit to actually purchase new stuff later on and everything and i just and also like as i said you know the amount of stuff you could carry with the characters is just stupid and also one like you could also put ladders across uh rivers and across mountain pathways that didn't just have to go up also how traversing in this game is affected by weather a lot how it's a case of mud could slow you down or it's slippery going down a bank and you had to be slower and or lean yourself backwards when you're moving down or how rust affected the game so you could actually go into this game and you'd have you'd have to figure out okay do i carry a small amount of items to this location and minimize have minimal rusts so you get rusts to the best like you know grade given to the carrot or do you try and pathfind a way a quicker way to get there with all the resourcing you have the traversal resourcing 
and carry as much as you can, be that by walking or by truck, because there could be ways in this game you could get via truck. You know, you could put ladders down on the ground and actually create roads, like minimal roads over cliffs. Like, it's the, the possibilities in the game were endless. Awesome pick, man. And I'm glad I uh, managed to give you a little bit of inspiration as well for the topic. Um, yeah, this game is one of those games that, because it's quite long, uh, I've not played it myself, but I've watched some people play the start of it i've watched about three or four hours of gameplay and i still don't have a clue what it's about um i i kind of i would like to uh to the, the thing that appeals to me the most is yeah the setting and like kind of the mystery about what is going on in that world seems like it's potentially quite interesting um you mentioned traversal quite a lot as well and um <laughs> is it wrong of me that i actually find the the um the balance mechanic quite funny Oh no, it's hilarious, especially if like, you know, you're running down, you, you're trying to escape from BTs, so basically the enemies in this world, and then you run a bit too quickly and then you slip and you just lose everything. You're, you're trying to carry for like half an hour and yeah, or, and or you get taken to another realm. like. And then when you have like too much stuff and you're just kind of doddering around and almost losing track, I don't know, that made me laugh. The, um, amount, of stuff, the amount of stuff that uh, Sam Porter or Norman Reedus' character could carry in this game is stupid. Like not not stupid in the sense like bad because you 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 do have an augmented you are augmented you do have like an exoskeleton suit and you can upgrade that suit as well so I do love that aspect as well and you can actually sleep in this game to actually boost yourself and you know there's just a lot of like interactivity in this game which I thought was insane and I'm really looking I still need to play the director's cut which actually gave a lot more traverse mechanics into the game. But I just think it's that type of game where you need to replay it from the beginning to actually understand everything again. And I'm really looking forward to see what Hideo Kojima does next because he's doing the um, the Xbox game, which is going to incorporate the cloud-based technology, which I'm really interested with. And obviously, he also has the new PlayStation game coming up, which people are expecting to be Death Stranding 2. To see well, how he can't, can't do Can't do direct sequel, surely, because this guy's looking at how this guy's carrying stuff. He's definitely going to have back issues. That's a, you know, he's going to he's going to be a chiropractor in the next game. Yeah, awesome pick, man. Uh, to be honest, like the very fact that there's other things I could think of that we've not talked about that make this game unique, like the baby, um, you know, just yes. just weird stuff uh, means, yeah, definitely a very nice pick for unique mechanics. Um, yeah, I, I wish more AAA games would do just off the wall stuff like this, because if they did, I'd probably be more interested in them. But yeah, nice pick. Uh, Great topic. Uh, love I'm saying that. Well done, me. Great topic. <laughs> <laughs> Great discussion. Applause. Great discussion, I should say. Um, yeah, it's just sort of. I feel like it, it. It was nice to talk about games that, you know, do something out of the box, do something interesting. Uh, a lot of games that I heard haven't heard of or haven't heard of for a long time were brought up, um, and, you know, I feel like it. It just shows that outside of your usual triple a kind of you know formula there's a lot of room for experimentation um games you know it's been around for a while now but i don't think that we've seen the last of the innovations in in the in the format really but yeah okay okay well thank you very much Chaz, for that honestly it's been a great time having you hopefully you've enjoyed the hosting responsibilities there this time around yes yeah, okay man i'm a bit warm but it's probably because of the heat but uh, yeah, um, thank you for letting me uh, suggest that topic. I really enjoyed talking about it. I'm really looking forward to the next topic you suggest, and uh, hopefully we will do that soon. I And speaking of warm, I have my window closed, my fan off, and it is currently 24 degrees, and that's, you know, at least 
almost 80 to 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So I'm very sweaty at the moment. So yes, 20, people. Did you say 24? Because that's cool. 24 degrees. No, it isn't. With the computer on, it's warm. Jeez, I wish my flat was 20. I thought I was doing well, but 24, that's good. How dare you? How dare you insult me? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a husky fellow as well, so I've got the thermal insulation that's going against me. Right, BS people. So obviously, thank you very much again for Chaz for doing that lovely, lovely topic. Obviously, that was related to Stray, the new Annapurna game that's actually just been released today. It was an interesting topic. I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, he brings next for the next topic he does. So yes, people, that is the end of the episode. That is the end of the episode. Again, I'd like to thank you all for joining us today. And now we get to the outro. So long. Farewell. It's now the outro time. And that was a terrible, like, I don't even know musical I was getting that from. But yes, people, if you'd like to get in contact with us with any questions, queries, compliments, uh, ideas for new topic ideas, maybe like, you know, email us in the favorite games that, or just games that you found that had unique gaming mechanics that you'd like us to maybe have a little bit of a discussion about. Please do that by emailing us at nmipodcast at outlook.com. That's nmipodcast at outlook.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Linktree, just by searching at nmicast. Uh, just search nmicast on Linktree, which will actually include all of our socials, all of our listening platforms. If you have any, we are on listening platforms, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Listen FM. If you have any ones that Google Podcasts, if you have any ones that we don't, are not on there, please email in and let us know. Uh, you can search for us there on nmi-winneyneedable-info. Make sure to give us a uh, five-star review or a little bit of a lovely like when you do. If you're listening to us in the States, uh, we won't be able to see your review uh, if, uh, on iTunes, so just email in your review there and we can definitely check that out. But again, I've been your host, Nate. I'd like to thank my uh, co-host and also, well, actually, my main host today, Chaz, for taking over today. I'd like to thank Chaz and James for joining me today. Yeah, cheers. Thank you, man. It's good to, good to do the discussion. So again, people, that's nmipodcast.outlook.com for all the loads of lovely details, at nmicast for all the other things. I've been your host, Nate. Uh, next week, we will be doing a Comic-Con special. So no topic-specific topic next week, but it'll mainly be a news topic. We'll be combining that. But we'll be going into all the lovely, lovely on reveals from the Marvel, DC, the the Nickelodeon, whatever's revealed, like, you know, next week. And we'll be having a nice discussion with that. But I've been your host, Nate. Again, thanks to Chelsea James for joining me today. Speak to you next week, everyone. Stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.